Welcome. Welcome to uh, Dr. Scoff and the Prof. And this is a coronavirus special. Bryce, some people might be asking, where, where have you been? Where have I been? Well, we, uh, we have to explain to our loyal listenership that there's been uh, well, a lot of turmoil in the world right now. But preceding that prolonged period in UK universities of industrial action, uh, I've been very busy uh, doing the finishing touches to, to a book I'm writing on uh, airline food. And, and I shared some of the potential covers of that book with you this week yeah it looks good it looks good so when's that being published well as much as we can be certain of anything right now that'll be in january and uh the problem is i suppose that everything life seems to sort of very much be on hold right now and um yeah but i suppose we should uh we should say to our fans that we are here for them a lot of people maybe in self-isolation, working from home, getting yeah. very bored. So we're, we're here to make them less bored. That's the idea, we, hopefully. We are, here. We are performing a, a national emergency duty. <laughs> Indeed, an yeah. inter- international emergency duty to our loyal listenership. We are returning to Dr. Scott and the Prof, and we are going to churn these out to keep people and their morale at a high point. That sounds a good idea. Now, usually this point of the show, those who listened in the past, we usually come up with some puns around the name. You obviously despise the name. I think that's, I don't think that's too strong a word either. Despise the name, Dr. Dr. Scoff and the Prof. Um, Yes. Uh, But I think making lighthearted puns of of, uh, the virus at the moment probably is in bad taste. So we're going to kind of wash over that and for the next few episodes as well. Uh, But uh, I guess we should... uh, get to it really Bryce what, what are we going to talk about today what why have we got together why are the boys back in town well coronavirus uh, there's a lot of themes relating to food and in line with this emergency broadcast that we're providing uh, yeah. I just wanted to revisit a few historical themes so you know times like this um, it is a bit of an emergency and history does actually without wanting to sound too much of a nerd History does sort of show us what's happened in the past and how we might overcome the current crisis. And it just tells us as well, perhaps things to avoid, to look out for, and some of the uh, myths that might emerge during this period around food. And so I just wanted to explore a few of those. And the first one I had for you is uh, there's been an awful lot. I mean, we've got listeners around the world, around the world, and of course no no country is immune from coronavirus, but one of the big or things here... Immune, or immune from this podcast. No, no no one is immune from this podcast. In fact, this no. podcast has perhaps an even greater potency than COVID-19. Who knows? One of the themes that's emerged in the UK has been a um, uh, lot, of, lot, lot of disputes and anger in the supermarkets because people panic buying, um, trying to stockpile food because of the mounting emergency. And there's been a big debate about that here. Have you found or read about sort of historical equivalencies to this that have happened perhaps in the recent past? Well, look, I'm, I'm a historian of, of food, food and especially food in wartime. And if you look at it, all the historical examples of food in wartime, the UK government at the moment is saying to people, curtail your consumption, be good citizens, don't buy more than you need, don't hoard food, have to tell you, Clay, that 
doesn't work. It didn't work in the wars and it's not no. going to work. You can't just tell people not to do things, which pe people, let's be honest, people are scared. They want to make sure they have enough food in their larder for the next two, three weeks. You can't yeah. just tell people to curtail that themselves. Now, we've seen some really selfish, stupid behavior. I get that. But to criticize hoarders without, st in my, this is my opinion, I, sh I, should, I should caveat. Okay. The, war, the wars show us that, first of all, what does what what British government, most other governments do during the war, Second World War, for example, tell people to behave nicely. People don't behave nicely. Then they introduce things like maximum prices. Okay, so you can't charge above a certain rate for certain food. Again, that doesn't terribly uh, work terribly well, and eventually you move towards a rationing system. Now, I'm not saying we need to wholesale introduce rationing as it was in the war, but if we are going to have a prolonged crisis, and all the indications are that it will be, if we're going to have the continuation, and again, all the, con the, the signs are this will happen, of profiteering, black marketeering, and overcharging, then there has to be, in line with the retail trade, some form of rationing. Now, you're actually already seeing supermarkets sort of start sort of unofficial rationing already. People being sure. turned away from the till because they've too, too many of one item, okay? But the thing is, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, government has to step in to help the retail trade with this kind of stuff because you've got examples today, especially today and all during the week in this country, of poor old supermarket staff confronting angry shoppers and it shouldn't really be up to, to, to supermarket staff to have to bear the brunt of that. The government has to come in with, unfortunately, some kind of emergency restrictions on how much you can buy and also, from the, from the perspective of the consumer, how much you can charge for stuff. So you, you, you think there should be some sort of legislation brought in then? I've, I would, but again, this is my personal opinion, I strongly believe there has to be. You know, we've had, we've had a lot of overcharging for food and other vital uh, commodities here in the UK. Um, you know, and look, I'm going to get a little bit angry now. If you are stockpiling, I think that's completely understandable. But do it within reason. Do it within reason. If, on the right. other hand, you are overcharging uh, for a bottle of medicine, you suddenly hiked up the price from £2 to £20 or some paracetamol or for some foodstuffs because we've seen in this country stuff disappear from the shelves, bread, eggs, pasta, this kind of stuff. People are overcharging for essential stuff. You're not uh, uh, some kind of entrepreneur, in my <laughs> opinion. You're not some kind of lovable rogue. To go back to the Second World War, UK listeners might be responsible with a, a brilliant old Second World War comedy, Dad's Army. Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah I do, sadly, yeah. yeah. Do, you remember, do, you remember, do you mean sadly? It was classic. Well, debatably classic. Yeah, okay. Well, you had, okay, let's, for, for people who, who listen to this might not have seen Dad's Army, I mean, you had several characters. And one of them, I think you might remember, is, is, is a lovable rogue. And his character, he's, he's always got a slick back hair and he's always got a fag hanging out of his mouth. And he's always offering, he's a black marketeer, essentially. He's, he's, uh, he's always uh, offering people a, a bit on the side. So it kind of, all right, Mrs. Uh, want some nylons? That kind of stuff, you know. But want a bit of, uh, here you go, love, a bit, uh, bit of pork on the side for you, Mrs. Under the counter. You know, that kind of stuff. It doesn't take long for this podcast to descend into, into terrible Cockney accents, apart from myself or, or, or you, does it? So he's a lovable rogue. He's like, oh, all right, mate, you're a bit honest. What can I get you? What can I get you? But the thing is, that man is a spiv. Yeah. In times like this, and not to get too bleak, because this is a sort of fairly lighthearted podcast, but sure. you know, it's people, people dying and people, a lot of elderly, vulnerable people, people are very scared. 
Do you really want to be a spiv? I was going to say something a bit stronger then. Um, act, you know, just don't act like an idiot. You know, just don't act like an idiot in this whole crisis. I suppose that's my overall point. But I, in my opinion, yeah, government government has to step in at some stage because poor old supermarket staff can't be expected to deal with this kind of stuff. Well, it's interesting you say that about you know people people who are doing this are, are spivs. I mean, if you've got a local business and you're hiking the prices up, what happens to uh, your business after you know after this crisis? Do you think people are going to come back and and purchase from you again have you have you broken some kind of unwritten bond you know between you know uh, the customer and the shopkeeper that is a really good point there because i was discussing this with uh, i've got a a third year class they're all it's a food history course did an online session with them today because of course in the universities yourself like myself have all moved to online teaching and uh we discuss one of the themes we look at in that course is and i think we've we've mentioned this in future episodes uh, sorry past episodes um sure is the idea of moral economy. Indeed, yeah. The idea of moral economy, I think we explained this in previous episodes, was in the past, let's say we're back in the 18th century. Okay, let's see, say someone is overcharging like they are now, like the baker is overcharging for bread. He's, he's uh, underweighing it and he's overcharging for the bread. Now, back then, the, the crowd yeah. or the mob in history would have a thundering good riot. They would smash yeah. up the bakery, smash his windows, beat him up, and that thereby restored the so-called moral economy. Um, what my students were saying today, and it relates exactly to what you're saying as well, is that these days there's a sort of new moral economy emerging. So if you are overcharging for food or for a bottle of medicine, what you've actually seen is a lot of online shaming uh, of people on Twitter. So yeah. there was a pharmacy yesterday might have seen this, and it's been added to a sort of list of shame. And, and I think in a way, Perhaps that, that's evidence of a sort of, should we say, the new modern moral economy where you don't have to go and smash the bejesus out of a shop. We don't have to go and smash up a shop or a chemist anymore. You can actually really harm that company's business by simply shaming them uh, on a social media platform, which um, is, is probably preferable. It's tricky though, isn't it? When it's, I mean, a pharmacy is a place where, you know, you're going to go back to it because it's, it has things that we need in it so there is a moral issue there but you know are people going to move away well during this crisis they might have to rely on it but i think i mean you know we're based up in liverpool and you know it's a different context but for example you know the the sun newspaper in this city doesn't sell for reasons we won't get into here but people have post-crisis or post a, a disaster i think people actually have very long memories and i think it might be a sort of new form of uh, moral economy emerging dare i say a form of online shaming and if you ask me that's that's not necessarily a bad thing so do you think i mean around where we live we've yesterday uh, sent little letters through each all of our neighbors doors just to sort of say if you're self-isolating get in touch we're trying to create a community down our road of you know to help each other out you know uh, the community's essentially been ripped out of england some authors have stated and we're trying to make sure that we, we can look after each other. And, you know, yeah. I know we've talked before about social eating. I mean, we've been talking about potentially uh, cooking for others down our road that perhaps can't leave the house. I mean, you're talking about some people really self-isolating for, for 12 weeks. You know, how are they going to be able to manage? That's a really good idea. And, you know, obviously as well in the previous podcast, we talked about social eating in wartime. And indeed, you and I recreated the social eating 
Like, so we're talking about mass long table dining, cheap and nutritious food. Now, quite clearly, that's not possible right now because we are practicing social distancing. But how do you achieve community around food whilst incorporating social distancing? I'd actually say that those schemes of the war, national kitchens or British restaurants, as they were called in this country, and a lot of equivalents existed elsewhere. But one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that as well as communal dining, one of the things they actually pioneered was this sort of meals on wheels system whereby, like you're saying, you and other volunteers make food collectively or uh, now schools are shut down today in the UK. So school kitchens are taken on food is made collectively there in a safe environment, of course. And it, sure. is, then, it is then distributed by courier. Back in the war, it was people on motorbikes, vans in the First World War, even trams. It is distributed to the most vulnerable people. So it's essentially that form of Meals on Wheels or Uber Eats or, you know, Deliveroo type uh, food prepared in a big kitchen then sent out by motorbike or car or van, uh, Meals on Wheels type thing. It was pioneered in terms of social eating in the war. And although it's, it's, it's community at a distance, it is, it is a form of community because you are ensuring that the most vulnerable people get food and are ad adequately fed. And, you know, that comes back to the big thing with this coronavirus is that you've got to be eating well. I mean, I don't know about you, but the first few days this broke, I was like, end of the world. I started eating junk food, um, comfort food. But you've yeah. got to, we've all got to sort of think, we've got to look after our immune systems. So it's a way, perhaps, maybe that's a way around, a way of achieving community despite social distancing. But there's no real infrastructure for this, is there, at the moment? I mean, we're talking about a time when social eating was going on. There were, you know, as you said, great big halls that were owned. And there was a full, you know, lots of staff there that were cooking, that were paid by the government. Is that right? Yeah, but, um, well, central government provide basically the equivalent of what you'd call today a start-up loan. Then local okay. council took over the running. But, but there is potential for this today because there's a lot of food, food poverty charities in the sector city councils that want to do stuff i would say when i've been talking to a lot of people about this the past few days big potential now to bring that that back in some form i.e take over kitchens of the schools that have closed down yeah food safely and distribute it that way and i think we're gonna again we have to see some kind of governmental action on this uh because you know if this is going to be a prolonged crisis then you're going to have to do that for the most needy people i would argue well i think we'll, we'll leave it there i think for this episode um, we're going to be in touch Again, though, soon, right, Bryce? We're going to record a few more episodes over the next few weeks. We're going to, look, we've got a loyal listenership and they might be sitting at home bored. They might, you know, they might, like, like your good self, they might be, you know, and this is dreadful, be forced to spend time with their wife and kids. <laughs> um, you yeah, know, yeah. That's hard times, you know. So we're going to, like, squeeze a few of these out to, to help people along the way, right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Um, I guess... We're going to finish this podcast on uh, a, a light note. Hopefully, go and go and um, make sure your neighbours are okay if you can. Uh, maybe do something that we've been uh, doing, which is, you know, dropping little notes through people's doors with your with your telephone number on. And can I just can I just come in there though? Like I must say, I actually tried, tried to take similar action on my road. Set up set up a WhatsApp group so amongst the the younger people to keep an eye on the older people. And like you're saying. So we, we drop notes in the doors of elderly people really good idea but but i have to say the whatsapp group now and uh no this is actually a good thing being really cynical and this is tongue-in-cheek but um there's a lot of young mothers on there 
sharing artwork from their children. Great. And which um, which children's television programs are on at which time? That is that is good. All good fun. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, not not having kids myself, I thought that the WhatsApp group would be more of an emergency channel to sort of feed people. Uh, but you know, all good. I, I'm get I'm inundated. I'm getting about like a hundred WhatsApp messages ping up like every hour, which is fine. If you, I don't know, Claire, you might want to share some some um, drawings that you've done. I don't know if you're going to start drawing during this period of of isolation at home. No, I'm going to have to homeschool my children actually. So, um, but we, yeah, we do the same thing on our WhatsApp group. When you send the notes around, definitely create a WhatsApp group. Just tr- create some like some kind of online community because offline community at the moment um it's kind of probably not a good idea it's but, great uh, this the whole thing is great if like me that like, you don't really like anyone you're a really lonely miserable and uh, aggressive person which i am um but for most people you know this is really tough and they're going to need like you say some kind of online community and that's why we're going to be here we're going to we're going to like churn these out to help people yeah, yeah? and uh, we'll add we're not doing this in the same room either, are we? So we apologise if there's a well, there might be the odd sort of sound issue, but it's because we're online and we're you've just you've just scattered a lot of people's illusions there. I think a lot of people assumed quite naturally, like any duo, that we would be self isolation bodies. Yeah, but we've never met. We've never met in person. I don't know what you you look like actually. No, I don't either. I've got and a I'm sort not- of idea in my head, and and I wouldn't really want to know what you look like because you know when you, when you have when you read a book and then you see the movie version and people look completely yeah. different wouldn't a bit like that. a bit like a potato an unpeeled potato is what you look it. like potentially that's what oh, potentially okay well, listen we'll leave it there all we're going to say is look out for each other look after each other and get in touch on twitter if you've got any stories or if there's any aspects of the virus or the crisis at the moment that you want us to potentially talk about but and, and yeah. maybe maybe for next episode perhaps or if people want to talk about how they're dieting through this how they're eating how they're surviving if they're able Good. to get food what, what are your practical stories because the really exciting thing is this when the, and this will pass that this will pass you know this 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 could be a historical artifact this very recording of us could mumbling be. on could be yeah. could be yeah well, from uh, Mr. Potato Head. Yes, and, and from myself, this uh, is the end of your emergency broadcast. And we'll speak to you soon. Okay, bye.